Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of the Hey Coach podcast. This is your host, Eric, and this is the podcast that takes a look at business concepts taken from coaching and the athletic sidelines. Once again, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't done so so far, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps move me up in the standings, which helps other listeners find my show. I do truly appreciate it. Today, I have an awesome interview for you. This person is doing some amazing things in bringing athletes, teams, and leagues to do good things in their communities. Today's conversation is with Kayla Bradham. Kayla serves as the Executive Vice President for the Sports Philanthropy Network. She is responsible for building relationships with athletes, sports teams, sponsors, sports organizations, and their respective foundations. Kayla knows firsthand how important being involved in your community can be. Kayla grew up poor, sometimes not having a car or even a TV. And she knows what it feels like to be underserved. Now Kayla works with current and former athletes doing community work to create hope and possibilities. Now, as the Executive Vice President of the Sports Philanthropy Network, they assist athletes, teams, leagues, and other sports organizations to harness the power of sports to do good things in their community. They love programs which focus on social change, education, opportunity, empowerment, and other social causes. In addition to this, Kayla hosts the Legacy After the Locker Room podcast, where she talks to current and former players who are doing extraordinary things in their communities. So please listen to my amazing conversation with Kayla Bradley. Kayla. Thank you for coming on the Hey Coach podcast. I really appreciate you taking time. Thanks, Eric. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. I, I want to just give a little bit of uh, information. First, we've met on um, LinkedIn. Correct. And it's great because, you know, we've connected, we got on the phone and we seem like-minded, which is awesome. Uh, you are, I, I got to read this thing that you have on your LinkedIn. It says, you're an inspirational instigator creating hope and possibilities through sports. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, Eric, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I grew up with a lot of disadvantages. I grew up very, very poor. We were so poor that we didn't have a car. Um, sometimes we didn't even have a phone or um, a TV, right? And so I, I know what it's like to be wanting. I know what it's like to be underserved. And there's so many people like, I I think, honestly, Eric, if we just sort of examine the world around us, and it has nothing to do with money. Everybody has a need. And everybody's underserved in some way. And my goal, my mission is to sort of instigate where that good lies, and and to find it and to connect people to good. Does that make sense? That Yeah, perfect sense. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and that's the... uh... Is that that's the goal of the Sports Philanthropy uh, Network, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, to build stronger, healthier, more inclusive communities. I can't think of a better way to say it. You know, it, it's really just um, using sport as the vehicle 
to create positive change in communities all over the world. Awesome. Awesome. And we're going to get more into that. But tell us your story and how, how you ended up there. Uh, it's a crazy story, actually. Um, so I was, again, you know, the underserved kid. My mom did not have money to put me in recreational sports. And I remember, you know, just wanting so badly to play baseball. Why? Well, I, I mean, back then you could only play softball if you were a girl, but I wanted to play baseball. And um, my mom said, you know, we don't have money for that. And I, I bought my permission slip back to school with tears in my eyes. And my teacher said, Kayla, what's wrong? And I'm just this little tiny tot, right? And I'm like, money doesn't grow on trees. And the tears are streaming down my face. And Eric, somebody paid my registration fees for recreational softball that summer. And I just remember saying like, you know, someday I want to do this for other people. I want to make sure that every kid can play sports. And, um, you know, be careful what you pray for, what you ask (laughs) for, what you throw out into the universe. Um, I met my partner, Roy, at Tony Robbins at the United Center. There were 12,000 people there. What are the chances that you find the person, the one person out of 12,000 people with the same dream? So we started Sports Philanthropy Network about three, a little over three years ago. And, you know, you you dabble in the entrepreneurial world. It's never easy to start a business or a nonprofit. And we've just rolled up our sleeves, put our blood, our sweat, our tears, our prayers, our hopes, our dreams into it. And, you know, it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of building your network. It's a lot of reaching out to people saying, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Every business owner knows exactly what I'm talking about, right? Putting your own money into your own dream, right? Everybody knows this. That's what we did. It's it's finally picking up um, significant traction. In fact, Uh, The NFL invited us to the NFL owners meeting. So I'll leave on Saturday to go to the NFL owners meetings. And from there, um, the NCAA credentialed us for the women's final four to support the women in sports. And everywhere we go, it's about creating hope and possibility. That's awesome. That is awesome. You you reminded me of something because I, um, when my kids were in high school, I was part of the booster club and I was the vice president of booster club. And one of the things that we did was we put aside money because we knew that some of the players couldn't afford things. And so we bought a couple of players cleats, you know, now equipment. Yeah. The school uh, supplies that stuff, but they don't supply cleats. They don't supply shorts and things like that. So we said, you know what, let's put some money aside. Because if a kid wants to eat and if a kid want, needs cleats, we can't, we can't say no. You know, Eric, I, I, oh, you're speaking my love language, right? <laughs> and, and I just have to like do this shameless plug as we're, as we're heading to Minneapolis for the women's final four. We're actually doing a sports bra collection drive. Because it's such a basic piece of equipment. We would never send a boy to play football without a cup. Like, we just don't even think about it as parents, as educators, as coaches. But all over the world, there's this cultural modesty and pure athletic need for sports bras for underserved women and girls. So you nailed it. 
Eric, we're going to do a sports bra collection drive. All of the sports bras will stay in the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. But you're exactly right. It's about setting something aside for those who are underserved. And, and it's so easy. It, it's so easy to go to Target and pick up a sports bra. Unless you're a kid who can hardly afford the registration fees. Right. Unless you're the kid deciding between Gatorade and a sports bra. Unless you're the parent deciding between gas and a piece of sports equipment like a bra. So I, I appreciate you so much. I think, you know, the best thing that we could do as, as a community is to just openly talk and address about the needs that athletes have. And it's not just athletes. It's parents, it's students, it's educators, it's politicians. It, it's everybody. We have needs. How are we going to meet them? Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome what you're doing. Uh, you know, I heard something you said um, on a podcast. Actually, I believe it was the first podcast from the Sports Philanthropy Network. Uh, and you, we were, you were talking about emphasizing the way people look at athletes. And right now, like whenever they do something really bad or even remotely bad, it's, it's breaking news. And how so many people are doing so many great things that are under the radar. You know, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I really don't even have to say anything because we know it's so true, right? An athlete gets caught for drugs or whatever. Well, we're not even addressing, you know, is that athlete addicted to painkillers because his coach or team trainer or somebody has been giving him painkillers so that he can play through an injury so he can keep his job so he can feed his family, not lose his car or his house, right? right. So there's some very basic issues that we need to talk about. Concussions, addiction to opiates, opioids because of player safety, health issues, right? But there are so many athletes that you've never, they're, they're just quiet. They're putting their money, their resources quietly to support good causes. They're not looking for fame. They're not, you know, they're not turkey trotting out publicly walking down the red carpet saying, look at me, look at what I gave. They're just good people. And, you know, Spiritually, a lot of us have been taught, give in private. Don't let your right hand see what your left hand is doing. If you're going to buy groceries for somebody, put them in a bag, put them on the, on the porch, ring the doorbell and run, right? <laughs> don't, don't take the glory. Somehow with athletes, we think it should be a little bit different. We think, you know, like they should be on the news because they gave $25,000 to a charity or a cause. They don't, it's the same principle. Athletes are very human. They're just like us. Um, I think it's interesting. We get so caught up in the fame, right? Like we'll stand in line for three hours to get an autograph. I'll tell you from experience, most athletes just really want to be treated like very normal, regular people and playing sports is their job. Right, right. That's that's awesome. And it's, and it's funny because you hear about a lot of, famous athletes doing great things and not taking anything away from them. Um, Russell Wilson, we, we spoke about him. He's doing a lot of great things with his foundation. Um, you actually spoke about him a couple of times, yeah. but for every Russell Wilson that you see the name, there's like a lineman 
who's doing something great that doesn't get a lot of playing time. Yeah. And, you know, Eric, I guess you're so right. And I say it this way. People are people. Okay. They're just people. So I can tell you, you know, being out at the Pro Bowl and asking people, uh, players, what are you passionate about? And hearing like, I don't know, I just play football. Like, I'll think about that when I retire. Right now, I'm just worried about, you know, playing football. That's the same with college athletes. Um, I've been at Big Ten Media Days asking the same question to Big Ten college students, sometimes hearing literally the words no comment and having the SIDs come to me saying, you're not going to put that on the media, are you? And I say, no, no, my, my goal is never to, you know, call out a school in a negative way or their star athletes. But really, Eric, shouldn't we think about that? Like, how are you a college student? You're your parent, right? Like, right. can you imagine raising your kids to think that the only thing that's important is the sport that they play instead of the human being that they are, right? Like, this is one of the things I'm so passionate about, Eric. They're not just athletes. No. Nope. They're brothers, they're sisters, they're children of parents, they're leaders. There's There's so much more to being an athlete than being an athlete. And it's high time that we recognize that and start building whole and complete physically, spiritually, mentally strong humans who happen to be really good at sports. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, my son went and played football at Bryant University. And one of his uh, roommates uh, in his first year or two years was this kid. And I, I can't remember his name, but um, he got an award from Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And this was not through the school. He went out on his own and went to this charity and said he wanted to be involved with this charity. And, you know, it's one thing for the school to say, hey, you know, let's go. We're going to read books to, uh, to, to these, this elementary school. Yeah, that's great. This kid took the time out. And I don't know his background. I don't know if he was involved in Big Brother and Big Sister himself. But to step out and to do this on his own. Yeah. And I, we, I didn't hear about this until his senior year when Big Brother and Big Sister gave him an award. He didn't do it for look what I'm doing. He just genuinely wanted to serve. I love that. And I'm so thankful that organizations like the NFL League are starting to support those causes. When I was out on Radio Row in Los Angeles, the NFL actually asked us to interview the United States president of Big Brothers Big Sisters, Artis Stevens. And to see the support, and it's, it's not just Big Brothers Big Sisters, it's Taste of the NFL and Alexis Glick, who's working so hard to feed children in schools and making sure that there's lunch and breakfast in schools. And they have so much support from Pepsi and Frito-Lay for those initiatives, the Players Coalition, and the work they're doing for social justice. It's, it's great to see, is the NFL a business? Most definitely. Right. And the business of business in the NFL is alive and well. Like I don't don't get me wrong, but at the same time, on the other hand, we're we're really starting to see in corporate America again the NFL, the NBA, um, 
TIAA, huge sponsor, title sponsor of the Big Ten Women's Conference Championship Tournament, we're seeing businesses understand that corporate social responsibility is their biggest marketing tool, and they're not utilizing it enough. And now we're starting to see corporations say, we need a corporate social responsibility person on our team to make sure that we're giving appropriately so people will buy our products. And oh my gosh, it's about time. (laughs) You know, 2020, 2021, 2022, corporations are finally seeing that the best way to gain customers, and we're going to see this so much with Gen Z. Yes. They really care about where their money is going. It's not about what's cheapest. It's about how is their money being spent for good. So it's so encouraging. It is. It really is. It's it's funny that you said it because I actually, my youngest son is 24. I had to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have three, I have three kids. My my daughter's 28. And one of the things I've told them is now that you're out in the corporate world and you're working, try to find something to be involved in outside of work and and your hobbies. Because the, the joy and fulfillment you're going to get from doing something else. Because so many people are so involved in their career and it's my career and my help hang out with my friends. But if you take, it's not a lot. You take an hour a week, maybe, and just get involved in something. You know, it, it goes so, so far. Yeah, you know, again, it goes, I think, back to whole and complete humans. Right? I'm not just a worker. I'm not just a mom. I'm a whole and complete person living my best life now. Exactly. Exactly. Can you give us some examples of people just doing great things that probably people don't hear about? Oh, gosh, I, I think I have a million of them. Um, <laughs> if, if you don't mind, um, I'll, I'll do this. I'll give you maybe my two favorite stories. Okay. Um, I'll take a hockey story. Theo Fleury played for the Blackhawks, Stanley Cup champion. I loved watching him play. I mean, he just had so much passion on the ice, but he was constantly getting kicked off the ice. And it's like he was always drunk or always high. And I remember being like young and disappointed, like, you're supposed to be a role model. How come you're always drunk? Like, I, I shouldn't, I, I don't want to like a guy who's always drunk and always, be a role model for me. I deserve, I'm entitled to you as an athlete being a role model. Okay. So number one, we go back to people are just people. Right. But I was able to sit down with Theo and have a really good conversation with him. You know, the NHL kicked him out. And his manager said, Theo, you know, you're going to need to do something to make money. The money's going to run out. You should write a book. And Theo Flores said, well, if I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book. Right. So Theo Flory wrote the book about why he was addicted to drugs and alcohol, why the NHL kicked him out. And it's because. Number one, he had a lot of trauma in his childhood, right? And I think a lot of us can relate to that. There's a lot of kids who grew up in dysfunctional homes. Um, also, very openly shares how while he was in high school, 
the scout that he lived with raped him over 150 times. Jeez. And so he dealt with the trauma out on the ice. And can we blame him? We can't even imagine, right? And it's so much worse, I think, for men, because unfortunately men have a much more difficult time talking about rape and abuse, right? Um, Culturally, it's just not acceptable to speak about those things. Right. So Theo, um, his foundation is to provide free counseling for anybody who's been affected by trauma, whether that's military veterans, whether it's a child who saw their parents killed in a car accident, whether it's abuse survivors, he makes sure that they have free counseling. Well, it's awesome. It's, a, it's a, like awesome. it brings me to tears, right? Yeah. And I, I tell him, Theo, the work that you do now is so much more important than that Stanley Cup. Yeah. You are changing so many lives. And in fact, when he, when Theo went and did his little book signing in Canada, like what we would have at the Barnes and Noble, people, men were lined up around the block. And as they came to him, to his table to sign, to to get their autographed copy of his book over and over and over, he heard Theo, me too. Wow. Me too. Me too. So such a huge problem that we don't talk about that's happened to so many people. Um, I, 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 I can't, I can't add anything to it. Um, that, that's on the podcast. It's on the legacy after the locker room podcast. If anybody wants to go hear Theo's story from his mouth, um, he obviously can share that story much better than I, but forever I'm touched by his story. And then just real quick, the other example, Randy Grimes, Um, NFL played 10 years in the league, 10 years. years. The average is 3.6, right? Randy Grimes played for 10 years. While he was playing, he developed an addiction to painkillers. And I, you know, I think about it like this. Randy Grimes was just doing his job. He was at work, right? So I think about auto mechanics and nurses and everybody else who gets injured on the job. And they start to take a painkiller so they can keep on working. Right. And they become addicted. And for some reason, it's okay if you're a lower class or middle class or lower middle class American, blue collar, to say, you know, I'm addicted to painkillers. But if you're in the NFL, wave your fingers, wave your fingers. (laughs) And, and, you know, it was like, you know, the the team leaders giving him these painkillers so he could keep on playing, right? They were medically necessary. He doesn't remember some of the games he played in and he was calling the plays. He doesn't even remember the games. So, you know, he's a dad, he's a husband, he loves his wife, he loves his kids and he's addicted. And he had been in and out of treatment, in and out of treatment. His kids, you know, watched their dad be an addict. These are things we can relate to, right? Like making the athlete be a human person. I know a lot of people who abuse alcohol or drugs or sex or so many other things, right? And it's okay, quote unquote, okay for them, but not okay for an athlete. Well, Randy was in and out of treatment centers. Um, His wife stayed by him, which again, how many people would do that? I mean, you could justify 
this isn't fair. I didn't ask for this. I'm, I'm not cut out for this. I can't do it. Randy um, started Athletes in Recovery. And him and his wife, Lydia, travel all over doing interventions, helping regular people like you and I and athletes get the treatment that they need to live clean, healthy, whole, and complete lives without addiction. Awesome. And and again, I'm going to go back to this, Eric. What's more important? Andy Grimes, I mean, out on the football field, winning football games. Or helping people break free from the chains of addiction. Awesome. That's that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I and, and again, I have I, I could go on and on. I could just start a podcast sharing <laughs> stories of, of people that I've met who've done great things. You know, Marsha Frederick is another great example. She was um Ameri- the United States first world champion on the uneven bars. She was part of the group of people who took USAG to task in that bankruptcy suit. Think about the courage it takes to come up against the United States of America gymnastics over sexual abuse and and to put all of that out there for the world. That's that's courageous. That is awesome. So, so, so many people doing so many big things that you're never going to hear. Right. You're right. never going to hear those great things unless unless I can get the Sports Philanthropy Network out there to share. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and it, and it's it just shows that these people were were the the examples that you sh- that you shared are people that had things that happened to them, <clears throat> and now they're doing great things. Yeah. But there's so many of other people who are just just doing great things, and they're living a great life, and they're still giving. And, all. and yeah. I think that you, you said that the, uh, was it basketball, the women's basketball NCAA yeah. are having you in there. And I think that's an awesome thing to get these college players involved early yes. with giving in the communities and all, because if you have those players who are teetering and, and not, you know, they, they could go either way, if they're involved with the community, I think that stops them from swinging the other way. You know what? And shout out to the coaches who do that, right? Like, so I'm immersed in the Big Ten because I live in Milwaukee. But Minnesota and Iowa, those female basketball teams have a cumulative GPA over 3.5 as a team. Wow. Okay, number one. Number two. I can talk to the girls at Iowa, their star players, Caitlin and Monica. I can say, hey, what are you guys passionate about? Boom. Caitlin will tell you I'm passionate about Special Olympics in my spare time. That's my charity of choice. That's where I like to give. Monica will say I'm passionate about LGBTQ+. I'm putting a whole initiative on the campus at Iowa to really create awareness and, and to share, you know, where we're at. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, so you see these kids. And 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 that comes from the coach. It comes from the homes that they're raised in. It comes from the schools that they attended growing up, right? In so many areas, we see these. And it's either like they get it or they don't. Right. And and I don't know who to applaud <laughs> and, and who to blame. But you know, if you're a coach or you're a school and, and that's your organization. 
wouldn't you want kids who feel so supported and, and love that they're getting good grades? They're doing extracurriculars. They're great athletes. I mean, that's the total package. And if I, if I owned a team, you better believe those are the kids I want on my team, right? If right. I'm the WNBA, I'm taking Caitlin Clark. I'm taking Monica. I'm taking these whole and complete people because they can stand up to the pressure when the water's boiling. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I talk a lot about transition. And if those players are involved, that transition from a college player to a pro player becomes so much easier. And then even that transition out of the pros and into just the regular world, when you're involved, it's an easier transition instead of coming out of pro sports and saying, okay, what am I going to do? You know, I, all I know was football. Uh, going back to Russell Wilson, I think when his time comes and he doesn't play anymore, I don't think he would be worrying about, okay, what am I going to do next? He's so involved with that foundation. It, it's just an easy transition straight out. You know, you're so right, Eric. When I talk to former professional athletes, the number one thing, you know, I, I always ask them two questions. Who is the best coach you ever had and why? And how was that transition for you? I, I, I'm lying. I actually ask them three questions. I, I also ask them to make an autograph donation to my charity of choice, which is Special Olympics. But, but aside <laughs> from that, aside from that, over and over and over, I hear I wasn't prepared. I didn't have a plan B or I had a plan B, but oh my gosh, Kayla, it was so hard. My identity was as an athlete. And it's kind of like, you know, figuring out, like, I, I think about it like this. You have these high school kids and you say, what are you going to do? What, what, what are you going to major in in college? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and these professional athletes are the same way. Like, okay, so what are you going to do with your life? Uh, Okay, well, I don't know. <laughs> what, what do you think? What, what, what do you think? And that's where it's important. You know, we have like strength finders test. What color is your parachute? We really need to, as a community, first of all, all along, while athletes are playing, we need to encourage them to be the people that they are. But when they retire, I think we need better programming from the players associations, the alumni associations for sort of helping these athletes walk along the path to figure out, am I going to go into real estate? Am I going to own a, a cookie company? You know, what, whatever it is, help them find their business. As, as business owners, we know how hard it was for us to figure out exactly, you know, if, if, I say to, if I say to anybody, hey, if you could start a business right now, what would you sell or what service would you provide? And people are like, well, I don't know. Right. <laughs> These athletes are regular people. They don't know either. Right. So how do we help? Exactly. Exactly. It's funny. You, you said something and uh, it, it reminded me. I never told anybody this story, but um, I met my wife going to a Special Olympics event in college. I, uh, I, I, I got involved with Special Olympics when I was in college with a friend of mine. We were going to go to the school and, and do the event. And uh, he bought 
his friend, my wife now, to go because she came back from school. And that's how I met my wife, <laughs> going to a special events uh, function. That's awesome. So everybody should support Special Olympics in Eric's honor. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that with me. That makes my day. There you go. But and then the other thing I was just thinking is I, I really wish that and maybe you you guys do it. You know, when kids go to college and they're going to their uh uh to the starting for spring ball, let's say for football, they start their 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 training. You have a table there for like the keys, and you have a table to drop off your your uh your medical papers. And then you also have, my son had a table for, if you wanted to open up a bank account, it would be awesome if there was a table where these are organizations that you could, that, that you can work and help and be involved in and a sign up sheet from like the local, whatever the local uh, organizations are, it would be awesome if they had things like that. Yeah, and I think we're seeing that more and more, usually like during the first week of school. But, you know, I think the thing is, are the kids really encouraged to go? And how do we plug kids in? You know, we, Eric, you're, you're a dad to three kids. How many parents do you know who said like, I didn't raise my kid this way. I don't know how they like were dismissed after one semester in school. This is blah, 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 blah. But you know what? Did the kid get plugged in? Or did the kid get plugged into partying? Right. Right. And and not that there can't even be a healthy mix of both. Right. Like, who am I? Right. But it's like, how are we working to plug people in, you know, really all throughout our community? Right. Like the power of a mentor. Right. Every good business owner has a mentor. Yeah. Most moms have a mentor. Most dads have a mentor. But do our college kids, whether they're athletes or not, are we putting people in position where they have a mentor? Exactly. Because we know as business owners, can, can you even imagine trying to start a business without having somebody, you know, somebody at score even that you could like pick up the phone and call? Right. But we see so many college kids who don't have somebody that they can pick up the phone and call because goodness knows they don't want to call mom and dad. Right. They're finally free. Right. Right. So so where are the mentors for college kids? Exactly. And again, you know who they are. They're the coaches. coaches. Yep. <laughs> so it comes back to great coaches. Yeah, exactly. I. It's funny because, <clears throat> look, if my kids are not different from anybody else's kids, if I don't put something in front of my kid's face to show them, I, I can put it down on the table and say, hey, look, look at this when you have a chance and may sit there for days. I actually have to put in their faces and look, look at this. So we're not, I'm not saying the coaches should like force the kids to do things, but I think that the coaches should say, Hey, here's some organizations. I really think you should be involved in something other than football and schoolwork and just stick it in their face here look at it because you know what you get two or three football players two or three basketball players to go and say hey you know what this sounds cool maybe i should do that 
That's more you know, than others will do. Yeah, and and <clears throat> you, you, everything you've said can be summed up in one word: culture. We talk about workplace culture. We talk about team culture. We talk about academic culture. It all comes back to what are the expectations? What do we tolerate? What do we say? That is a boundary that we will not cross. Culture. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So let me talk a little bit about your podcast, uh, Legacy After the Locker Room. Uh, Tell us a bit about that. Well, I'm blessed and privileged to be able to sit down with former professional athletes every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central, and do a 30-minute live stream to give, and let me say this, Eric, clearly, you're a podcast host, you get this. Nobody is watching or downloading or or streaming Legacy After the Locker Room to hear Kayla Bradham. Okay, I'm a 49-year-old mother of eight with a rescue German shepherd, two rescue cats, and a goldfish named Molly. Nobody's watching me. But I'm blessed to be able to be that little vessel that allows former professional athletes to create hope and possibility through sports, to give them that platform. You know, we talked about Theo Fleury. We talked about Randy Grimes, a thousand others a platform for athletes to share their stories. In fact, Daryl Jackson was kicked out of Major League Baseball for drugs and alcohol. He started a foundation called the 1020 Foundation out near Los Angeles um, to help kids age 10 to 20 stay out of gangs, stay away from drugs and alcohol. And he actually gave his personal phone number, pitcher for the Minnesota Twins, gives his personal phone number on the podcast and says, listen, if anybody's struggling, give me a call. Wow. I'll, I'll help. And if that doesn't show the humanity of professional athletes, I don't know what does. I don't know many former professional athletes who are just out there giving their personal phone numbers to help. And, and the guys that are on my show, I, I'm blessed, Eric. I don't work with the, I know there's a better way and a better word to say this, and people don't like it when I say dirt bags, but I don't work with the dirt bags. I'm, I'm sorry if that offends anybody. Um, I get to work with the with the great men and women, athletes who are working for good. So, for example, Dr. Jen Walter, first female coach in the NFL. Justine Siegel, first female coach in Major League Baseball. The list goes on and on and on of these great people who are working so hard to make the world a better place using sports as their vehicle. Awesome. That's awesome. That is yeah. great. Well, I'm going to put the, the, the link on the show notes so everybody can get in there and listen to that. Thank um, you. How can I or our guests get involved more? Um, number one, by getting in touch with your complete person. Find out what you're passionate about. You met your wife at Special Olympics. Get involved by being human and giving back, right? Like, like it's that simple. There's something going on in your neighborhood, a t-ball game. Offer to go. Offer to, like, just throw the ball with a, with a seven-year-old and give them some tips, right? Like, just be present, Support your community. You know, you talk about 
the booster club, setting things aside. You know, I, I mentioned we're doing a sports bra drive. When you see things like that in your community, these things are all over every community. When you see an opportunity to give, don't wait. Just do it. That's the best way to get involved. You can follow me on LinkedIn. It's Kayla Bradham. I'm on Instagram, Kayla Bradham, Facebook. Um, you name it. I am, I am just a regular person trying to make the world a better place. I will do anything I can to, to mentor or counsel or network somebody who's looking to connect to somebody else. Um, I feel so blessed that I'm able to sort of be that networker. But really, Eric, you know, get in contact with me, go to sportsphilanthropynetwork.org, or just be present and, and live generously. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to put all that on the show notes <clears throat> to make sure Thank people you. have it. <clears throat> Thank you. Gail, you're doing so many great things. I'm so happy to get it in touch with you and, and talk you. to you and see you because uh, like I said, what you're doing is something that is so necessary. I think we said it before you said it also, it just builds the complete person. Yeah. And uh, I have one more question. My last question it's fourth and goal. The game's on the line. There's a minute left on the clock and there's no timeouts. Give us something to leave with. Live your legacy. Live your legacy. You know, we see high school kids being killed in car accidents. We see attacks. We see war. We see famine. We see poverty. The days are short. We don't know. We don't know how many days we're going to live. So live your best life today. Awesome. When you see when you see something, just just go do it. If it's your vision, it's your mission. Find your passion and just drive towards it like a rhinoceros, really like just boom. That that would be my that'd be my fourth and goal message. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kayla, once again, thank you for coming on the Hey Coach podcast. It's it's been awesome. Eric, it was really a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for allowing me to share a little bit about what we do and what I'm passionate about. You're doing great work. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. What an awesome individual Kayla is. I'm so glad that we were able to connect. A couple of takeaways that I got from our conversation was one, there's so much emphasis on the bad actors out there. We need to focus more on the good because there's more good out there than the bad. Another thing is it's harder to stray when you're busy giving. There's something about giving and that it also builds your character. And also that whatever you're doing in your work, in your daily life, there is always time to help and give in your community. We always say that we're busy, but are we really? Can't we just give a couple of hours a week to help the less fortunate? I think we do. I'm going to put all of Kayla's information on our show notes. Please reach out to her. Please look at the wonderful work that the Sports Philanthropy Network is doing. It is a great organization. And if you want to reach out to me, 
please email me at eric at heycoachreyes.com. Like I always say, I love hearing from you. And who knows? I might even read it on the air. Until next time, try to create hope and possibilities in your community. Take care.